The Angie's List You Know and Trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. No! The Off Day Podcast. Give me a chest ball. <laughs> with Andy Hart. All right, good to be with you. All right. This yeah, microphone week. put up a little less fight than the one last night. <laughs> and Ryan Hannibal. What's your name again? <laughs> Hannibal. Yeah, Hannibal. Hannibal. Mr.com on WEEI.com. First offseason edition, and we have news. Uh, Nick Casario is no longer a member of the Patriots, he is now the general manager of the Houston Texans. Was that a surprise to you, and I guess how it went down? Uh, I would say it's only a surprise in that it had been a thing for so long, and then he didn't go last year, and then he signed the extension, and you're like, ah, maybe they're moving on. And then with Billy O'Brien getting canned and Easterby. If you read some of the things out of Houston, by the way, Casario was not a candidate to be the general manager of the Texans until he became the general manager of the Texans. So, yes, I think it's a little bit weird in that it was so obvious that it wasn't obvious anymore. Yeah, like this was sort of a like a foregone conclusion in a way like a year and a half ago. Yes. Because with the way the contract was stated, like that blocked Sarah from going, but then the, that rule changed, and so he was able to interview starting this year. So I guess Houston's wanted him for like three years now. Yeah, and- but who in Houston? Like – Jack Easterby or well was Jack Easterby there like the first time they went after him uh no No. but like the the organization has wanted Casario particularly Jack Easterby has wanted Casario for a while like they they, like we should have known this too because they went the entire year without a GM well yeah I mean it sort of became Bill and then it kind of sort of became Jack Easterby and it's a very the Houston Texans, in my opinion, are like a soap opera. Like, there's these weird, like, this person's dead and they're buried, and then, like, oh, no, he had a twin brother who looks the same, and he's now, like, I don't know. I find the Texans, the whole organization, I think it's a great job for a coach in terms of you have Deshaun Watson, but other than that, they have become one of those, like, strange organizations where you wonder if it's, forget about talent or coaching, whether it's an ownership organizational like issue where that and maybe Nick will change that I mean maybe he'll change the culture and and do whatever but it's a the whole thing is strange now I think Nick has the capability to be a good general manager I Mm -hmm. think the the work ethic the scouting the attention to detail the versatility the fact that he's been in coaching and he's done some of that the fact that he's handled contracts the fact that I think there's a lot of reasons to believe he could be good at his job, but we'll see. I mean, the other guys haven't been good at theirs. You know, Dimitrov was the best and now he's available again because yep. long-term it didn't work. Um, certainly Quinn, it didn't work in Detroit. Um, so there's plenty of reasons to question 
Uh, and we should get into the Deshaun Watson tweet, which I don't know whether he was talking about some of the racial injustice issues or the new GM of the Texans. Now, yeah, it was too it was too vague to really know. On our airwaves, Adam Schefter tied it to the GM job. He flat out said, like, you know, the the Patriots, Patriots coming here, Patriots coming here. Like he clearly thinks Deshaun Watson was talking about Nick Casario following up Billy O'Brien and Jack Easterby and everything in Houston. But you're right. We we can't be sure because if that's that's a terrible job if your if your top player is not on board. I was gonna say if if that's the case and Nick's got more problems than he even thought, then he should pull a Josh McDaniels and say, "I oh, no, no, I never signed anything. I'm out." Because he's he's literally the like the one thing that you're like, this is a good situation. It's a Sean Watson because they have no cap space, they have no first second round pick, they don't have many much young talent. Like it's not. Besides Watson, it's not really a great job. No, no. And, but, I mean, he can make it a great job because that's the most important thing. That's the trump card, yeah. a top five type quarterback, a superstar quarterback. Um, so it's interesting. But, you know, from – okay, so Nick Casario's gone. Who cares what he does in Houston, right? We're a Patriots podcast. We're right. in Boston. From a Patriots perspective, I think it's a massive loss. Totally. Because everything he does, whether it's throwing the football – workouts that he goes through. I know those aren't really a thing the last year, but at some point workouts are a thing again that he goes mm-hmm. through. Um, his role on game day with Josh McDaniels on a headset in the coach's booth, like that's an issue. And then just Belichick right-hand man. Now we can get into some candidates and possible replacements, whatever, but this is a guy who is the ultimate Bill Belichick uh, front office staff member, right? Like he's perfect. He was developed by bill first of all he's a division three college football player which i think bill likes because i've told you this in the past i think he thinks division three players care more because you know they're not scholarship they're not making money they're just there for the love of the game quote unquote so he's a division three football player who has worked his way up for 20 years in new england has done a little bit of everything has shown versatility has never really you know seemingly sought the the limelight and wanted to do this wanted to do that like I think there's every reason to believe he got really comfortable in his role with Bill Belichick, and I think Bill was comfortable in his role with him. So that's a massive hole in the Patriots' front office, coaching staff, football environment, in my opinion. Definitely. I mean, he does it, He does everything. Like, Bill, what was the quote? Like, he said, his list of duties would be multiple pages. Like, nobody does more than Nick. Like, he does everything. Right. Um, I, for starters, like, why do you think he left? Do you think it was because he wanted to be a general manager and that he wasn't going to get the opportunity with New England? Do you think he, you know, was sick and tired of working for Bill? Like, there's a lot of different ways that you could potentially say why he left. And maybe you could just say, yes. Yeah, like to all of them. Like, he probably has some competitive advancement desires, and that's part of it. Probably, you know, anybody in any job for 20 years, maybe it's just like, you know what, I've been doing this a long time with the same people. It's time to move on. Like, doesn't mean I hate it. Doesn't mean it was awful. Doesn't mean anything. Just maybe it's time. Um, you know, the, the, there's a million reasons you could. Now, do I think he's like blowtorching Rambo style the bridge out the door and he hates yeah. Bill? And no, I don't, I don't think it's that. I think it's just sort of the natural progression of things. And maybe this is the right fit. And I don't know whether that has to do with, with Easter B or not, whatever his relationship is. I have is to imagine that. it's a positive for him, right? I would think, but I mean, 
did Billy O'Brien think it was a positive too? And then like, I'm sorry, from afar, I do not trust Jack Easton. I wouldn't touch that guy with a 10-foot pole. But we're not tight with him. We're not friends with him. We haven't whatever with him. So, you know, there's there's probably a million different factors, but um, I just think it was probably time. And who knows? Maybe he knows when Bill's out and he doesn't want to be here when Bill's out. Like, there could be a million. Or maybe he feels like he, maybe he just found out Bill's making 20-plus million dollars a year and he's like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute here. You know, because – I do think he was making good money. I think he was making five plus. I think he was making good money, yeah. But I think he's going to make more now in Houston. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. as he should. Because right. it's his show now. In the well, past. I also think, too, like, I don't know. Like, Nick, Nick is probably one of the hardest, if not the hardest worker in that building. Like, I would say from, would like, from an hour standpoint, it's him. And maybe he was kind of like, I, I, I don't know. Maybe he's like, I can't do this anymore. Like, that, this is taking its, its toll. Like, I'm but doing, do you think he's going to work any less there? Like, now his name is on the line. Now well, it's not, he's Belichick's well, right-hand man. He's dub man. But do you think – I guess he's the guy making the hire, but do you think he's going to have the same role of, like, game day and practices being on the field and all that? I don't know about – yeah, probably. I mean, I don't know about, like, throwing passes necessarily. He'll be out there, but I don't think he's going to have the same – like, it'd be hard – I guess he's the one that's making the hire – but it's hard to like jump in and like do the same exact things he was doing. How many general managers are on the headsets during games? Well, that'll be different because I think that was a specific thing with him and Josh. Right. And I don't know that you can, well, unless it's Josh and that can be a separate topic, but unless his coach is Josh, I don't think that will be, you're right. So I would think you'd remove the day of game duties that he has now. And probably to extend his like game week stuff, like on the practice field, like he'll be out there visible, but I don't know if he'll be like running wide receiver drills that he does now. Yeah, probably not. You're right. Probably not quite. I think he'll always be out there. Like, I don't think he'll ever become like an office guy. Right. Because that's not who he is. I think he has to be on the field and see and feel and interact. But, you know, it was a question I asked about Vrabel when he went to Tennessee. Would he still do, you know, the pad to his chest, taking on linebacker? And he, he did. He, yeah. he became the head coach, and he's still doing a lot of things for them. So I think to some degree, which is what we always talk about, you got to be who you are. Oh, it says here now I'm the GM, so do I have to put a suit and tie on and just watch from the sideline? I don't think that's Nick. He's wind pants, a visor, hands-on, on the field, interacting with coaches, and I think he has to be that. He should be that because I think that's who he is. So – I think it'd be a mistake if he got too far from it. Now you're right. Probably day of game duties in the box with the coaches, probably remove that. And then maybe some of the actual physical, he's the fourth quarterback on the field throwing to everybody, maybe remove some of that. But other than that, I mean, now it's his, it's his neck on the line. It's not, Oh, the last seven drafts have been bad. Is it Belichick? Is it, is it Nick? Does he not question him enough? No, no, no. No more about does he question enough? It's his pick not this year necessarily, but he'll be making the picks moving forward with his name, reputation, everything on the line. So, I mean, I wish him luck. I like Nick. He's not a touchy-feely guy. He's a really intense, hardworking, whatever guy. I like him. I wish him luck. But it's it's not going to be an easy job, I don't think, in that organization no. with what they have. Uh, specific to the Patriots, like how do, how do they replace him? Obviously, like we just said, he has so many different roles. You can't just say – you're the guy, do everything that he does. Like, that's impossible. So where do you think they go? I guess we'll start with Dave Ziegler, who was promoted to being his assistant this year. We reported he was interv- or is being requested by the Broncos. 
I don't know if he'll actually get the job. Like, I think it's just nice that he's getting an interview. I, I can't see the Broncos hiring Dave Ziegler, given he his experience. He hasn't been a – he's been basically below Casario. Um, right. But it, it's good that he's getting an interview. It shows that he's how he thought of and, like, he, you know, is capable of, of replacing Nick in some ways. Yes. Um, it'll be interesting with him because – now, correct me if I'm wrong. He's kind of a Josh guy, right? He's a John Carroll. Yeah, John he, Carroll. He I, was with Josh in Denver, right? That's in where he got his start, yes. Okay. Daniels hired him, yes. That's what I – because I think he was like a high school coach before that. Yeah, high schooler. I, I read his bio last night. High school or small college. It yeah. was Long Island, I think. But um, another John Carroll guy. So he's in that whole whatever fraternity or incestuous mm-hmm. world of John Carroll football to the Patriots. Um, he, he, I mean, he's the logical, like, chain of command thing and and he's he's followed that path like uh, i believe it was monty Austinfort left and ziggler became the pro personnel guy and yep. then he got promoted to assistant to nick so he's kind of been in that that normal trend upward i don't know um the other guy i'm fascinated by just because i started with him way back when is brian smith the college scouting coordinator he was an intern when I was an intern, when he was still in college, I believe. Um, and then he's really worked his way up. He worked for Bears. He was like Bears' right-hand man. He's done some on-field stuff. And now he's really been in the, like the college scouting area. Yeah. In terms of longevity and being sort of a Nick type with a little bit of versatile experience, but also being like just coming up through the entire system for 20 years – He's the closest thing to that, but I don't know how Bill would feel. And I don't know if Bill, like Brian Smith feels like somebody who maybe they've decided has already topped out. Like he's not the next Nick because he's been here for so long. I don't know. I might be reading too much into the tea leaves or he's the perfect candidate because he has the right criteria for Bill coming, you know, to be, couldn't he just do some of Nick's responsibilities on everything? Uh, Well, nobody's going to do everything. That's what I mean. Like, couldn't he say you're going to do, X and then we're going to find somebody to do Y, maybe hire somebody to do Z. And, and Nick didn't have the yoke he has now a decade ago or 12 yeah. years ago or whatever it was. Pioli left in 08, I guess. Yeah, yeah I think it was 08. Um, yeah, the Castle year because he traded for Castle mm-hmm. right after he left. So, you know, nobody – Scott Pioli had worked his way up from Cleveland to New York to New England. Nick Casario had w- worked his way up, boom, 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 and then – went from wide receivers coach to the front office and worked his way up to get to where he is now in a Pioli-like right-hand man role. The interesting thing here is all the guys that are available that could come back, whether it's Bob Quinn, Thomas Dimitrov, Scott Pioli himself. Yeah, that's what I threw out there. I just wrote a story. I, I think it's feasible, and I think it's in their best interest to do that. They've lost um, so many people in recent years. They, they need somebody that, they could, that knows what they're doing, somebody that knows Bill, somebody that's not afraid to sort of challenge and go at Bill on some things. I think that this is the perfect year to do it. And if that's the guy, then it's Scott. I mean, Scott was that guy. If, if that's what you're looking for, like a, not an equal, but somebody who's close that can say, listen, we need, there's a lot to go on here, blah, blah, blah. Those other guys I don't think are that. Like Dimitrov's the most successful but I don't think he was that. Bob Quinn, his personality, I don't think is that. I don't think he's the guy to push back on Bill. So if you're looking for the pushback, the counter, that's Pioli. And he's available. Um, so he's that's kind of, certainly – He's a, still like a friend of Bill, you could say. Like he was with 
he came down to the joint practice with the tech with the Titans last year and was mingling with Bill. Like he was a, I don't want to say oh, yeah, guest, no. I don't want to say guests of Belichick, but he's he still keeps close ties with with Bill and they're on good terms. Yeah, I, he's a fob. I, I don't think he's done or said or or anything to kind of you know be an outsider or or out of the loop um, as as you would think. No, I think he, but it's all like there's money involved. Mm-hmm. Like that's a guy that's been a GM. Is he coming back to make you know? I mean, Nick. You know, there were reports that Nick was making over five million a year. Is he is does he get that? Does he not get that? Does he want that? But they don't offer right. that kind of. So there's some financials as these other guys take a step backwards. Um, you know, be interesting, Dimitrov too. Like Dimitrov brought Pioli to Atlanta to be his assistant or whatever yeah. his exact title was there. So they have a working relationship. Could both of them be guys you'd bring in and you know, vice president of player personnel, vice president of pro person? Like, could you have some new? I, mean, tier I would say that, like their their personnel department is pretty small compared to the rest of the league. So like, you could afford to have more guys come in. It's small. It's young. I feel like. Um, so I, I, I do think this could be a little bit of a shakeup in the, in the structure, but you know how Bill is, oh, the titles are fine. Nothing wrong with them. He's just trying to figure out who's doing this job, who's doing that job, whatever. Um, it's going to be interesting. Now it wouldn't stun me if there were a name, if there were a name brought in, whether it's Pioli, Dimitrov, Quinn, whoever, somebody, um, the other guy to keep an eye on, I guess, just, I don't know him at all is the wolf guy who, who interviewed, who got requests to interview elsewhere. And like, I mean, he was brought in this year, so it's hard to really know, like, right. But he's he's, like March, February, March. Right. And, but he's been around forever. He's got the wolf game. Uh, Yeah. I, I really don't know anything about him. Just felt like he's a name we should just acknowledge exists. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, The one name I don't think it would be is Mike Lombardi. I've heard people talk about that. I hope to God it's not. I, I can't see that. Be, now, Bill has said, smartest guy I've worked with in football or something like that over the years, but I, I just don't see that. I don't know why, but I just don't, I don't see that. I don't either. I don't either. Uh, Joshua Daniels. John McClain, Houston Chronicles, said he's not a candidate for a Houston job, and I, I believe John at his word. He's one of the yes. best reporters, been around for a long time, tied in. I, I think that's pretty firm. But the problem is, as I said, the reports out of Houston were Nick Casario wasn't a candidate to be the GM, True. and now he's the GM. True. Um, so, I mean, until they're not working together, you can't discount Josh and um, his relation, Nick's relationship. And, you know, Josh is an offensive coach. They might be looking for an – now, that, that's where if I'm Deshaun Watson, I'm like, we're doing this again? Like, Billy O'Brien, now we're going to Josh McDaniels? Yeah. Like, I like Josh, but I could see why a guy like Deshaun Watson would maybe question um, what's going on around me where I just signed a massive contract and I'm sort well, of the franchise. If I were Nick, I would have a sit down with Watson and kind of get his feel for things. Like he's, he's your most important piece. You got to get yes. his say. I'm not saying I'd say, not- Hey, that tweet you sent the other night, that was about like big picture racial injustice, right? That wasn't about me. Was it? <laughs> yeah. I'm not saying Nick needs to uh, you know, do whatever Watson says, but he, you kind of need to make sure he's in your corner. Well, and whether Josh is involved or not, he could talk to Josh because remember Josh got to Denver and Jay Cutler and Brandon Marshall were like one and two, like major right. issues. They were the, they were what he was supposed to be building around offensive coach. Right. Comes in, he's got a quarterback, he's got a receiver and boom, he's got neither. And he's, you know, out of it. So it, it's interesting because I do think Watson's great. 
And I don't think he's like a diva. Like Jay Cutler had his issues with mm-hmm. Josh in Denver. Like Deshaun Watson, by all accounts, everybody loves him. Like he wants to win. He's work ethic, community leader, whatever you want to call it. He is that. So that's who you want your quarterback to be. Yes. Uh, you think, find it weird that Josh hasn't gotten any interview requests for the six jobs that are out there? Uh, a little bit, yes. Um, and, and no, at the same time. Not to be like Glenn Ordway here or whatever, but um, like we – I thought immediately on, when the indie thing fell apart or didn't fall apart, when he pulled the plug on it, yep. like that's a tough thing to come back from. And it's a tough thing to come back from, A, quickly – but also without dramatic reason to come back from it. And what I mean by that is, let's just say Brady left, Cam Newton came in, and the Patriots had the number one offense in the National Football League. It looked totally different from a year ago. And you're like, my God, that guy's got to be a genius what he just did. Okay, so that's a reason where I'd say, I know the Indy thing happened, but this guy can coach. Look what he just did. I don't have that to fall back on. The offense wasn't good. He didn't succeed with Cam Newton. He didn't make Cam Newton more than he should have been. Yeah. Like, yeah. So an argument could be made that, you know, Brady was made McDaniels. Like that's, I'm not saying that's the case, but people around the league could say that and say, Hey, very you know, easy, very yeah. easy to say it. Now you combine that with the fact that, well, how can I trust you? You turned your back on the Colts. You, you agreed to it. And you know, more than a man of your word, your agent fired you back then like that whole thing. Um, and don't discount that too. Um, Bob uh, Lamont. Lamont is connected and powerful and who knows what he's saying behind the scenes. Like, yeah, I thought I knew Josh, but I couldn't trust it. Like, and that, if he's saying yeah, what that, I see, he's, he represents Easterby, Casario and Dable, but pretty much everybody. I yeah. He's, he's the coach. He's the coach guy. He's the, he's the, the Scott Boris of NFL coaches and yeah. GMs and those people. So the relationships he has, the things he's said, who knows what he has sort of said behind the scenes to different people. Um, I did find it interesting, like the other night, I don't know if you saw, ESPN had the uh, almost like a trade machine, but it was a coach's machine where you could click the team, click the guy, line them up, and it would tell you, oh, this is an A fit, and this is why. And they had all these little caricatures of all the coaches, and Josh wasn't one of them. He wasn't one of the – in the carousel of coaches you could pick from, which it's it's somewhat surprising but i think we're so close like if i if i covered the seahawks i think i'd be saying no i'm not sure josh should be a a hot candidate like what makes him a hot candidate right now right now do you think on those lines do you think he like wasted his time like do like should he have jumped at some of these jobs that he was offered the colts and even the other ones he interviewed for over the years um no because i think do you think his stock will ever be as high as it was like two or three years ago no, I don't. I don't either. I don't. But that doesn't mean he didn't do the right thing for himself, his family. He's making good money. Like, the family's comfortable. The kids are comfortable. Like, like I don't judge that. Cause, and, and the other thing is not everybody – now, he has said he wants to be a head coach again. But not so, everybody – it's like – it might not be the top thing on his list, right? He might be like, yeah, I want to be a head coach again. If it never works – I got to do it once. A lot of people didn't do that. I've well, been yeah, in- that was the question. It wasn't like, I want to be a head coach now. It was, yeah, I, I could see it being absolutely right. want to be a head coach again. It wasn't like, I need to be you know, right now. Right. So I, I don't, I, I wouldn't question his personal motives because I do think family was involved and other things were involved. Um, and like I said, he's not like he's, I remember making fun of Dave Wanstead. He got canned by the like the cowboy, you know, canned by the dolphins. Then he's at Pitt. He gets canned by Pitt. He's coaching a high school. It's like, 
whoa, your career is going backwards on the ladder. Right. Josh isn't. Josh is fine. Wow. Like he's with Bill. He's got, you know, he's an offensive coordinator making whatever those reports were, three and a half million dollars a year. Money. So I think he's doing okay for himself. His family's happy. He's comfortable where he is. So, but I do, I do think there's a chance his stock will never be as high again. And there's reason to believe, like, yes, I'm going to look at Brian Dable. He pulled up the whole football world doubted Josh Allen. And now the bills are maybe the hottest bet, you know, most well-rounded team to beat in the postseason. Brian Dable should be a candidate. Eric B is a good young coach. And Oh, by the way, like, other Andy Reid assistants have had success, so you don't even have that Belichickian question mark thing. Success, yeah, right. So there's like other, and then I don't discount. I don't know how realistic all the college coach rumbling things are, but that's a factor. If I would have to imagine, like one of them was going to go. Like, I, I mean, it sounds work. like Meyer could have it if he wanted it. It sounds like Harbaugh really wants it, but no one's sure they really want him. Like. So two jobs could go to those guys, which are sort of outside the regular, you know, coordinator nice. promotion. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, the flip side of that is Jason Garrett. Jason right. Garrett gets an in. I'd be pissed if I'm Josh. If I'm, if I'm Josh and Dayball gets hired and Biennemi does, not a problem. Sure. Right. Hot candidates, like them, respect. Jason Garrett? Especially like for the Chargers, Joe, which everybody links Josh to the most. Right. Like – Get the bleep out of here with Jason Garrett. So I, I think it's interesting. I'm rooting for Josh because there's some nice quarterback jobs. Certainly Jacksonville, the Chargers, Houston, three jobs right there, whether you either have a franchise QB, what looks like a franchise QB, or what's supposed to be a franchise QB, those would be fun for him. Like I would like to see what he could do with those. Cause if he fails with those, then you just say, he's, he's not a head coach. He, Brady was a big part of his success, all of those various things. So we'll see. But I would say from a – because I think Josh is not just an assistant coach. I think Bill has a better relationship. You know, Bill's talked about conversations they've had since Josh returned that are, like, at a higher level than just offensive coordinator. So if you lost Nick and then you lost Josh, that – and, you know, Scar's already gone and some of the things that have happened. That's – that's a lot. Well, that was my next thing to say, that from our Patriots perspective, it'd be good for him to stick around. Like, yes. people are, are, are kind of not hating on Josh, we're down on Josh, and you don't want to see what things might look like with him gone. Even just for, like, continuity purposes, even if you hate some of his play, play calls, calls in the third quarter or whatever, for continuity purposes, coaching, professional, like, you know what Josh is, and – you could find out that the alternatives are not great. Well, I mean, so similar to our GM conversation, I guess if Billy O'Brien just slid right into the role, it would be similar. Yeah. Um, or Adam Gase, if that's Bill's whatever, if he lusts after him for some reason. Uh, the one name I wanted to bring up, because I brought it up on Twitter, uh, for the Houston job, from a Patriots perspective, just in general, do you think Gerard Mayo is a future head coach? Yes. Do you not think right it's... Would it be ridiculous for Nick to bring him in now? Not ridiculous, but it'd be not question. It'd be it, it'd raise a lot of eyebrows, and I I don't think Houston's in the right spot to sort of make a hire like that. Like they need to make kind of like a safe hire in a way. See, the thing I'm thinking about is like we have gotten so used to NFL head coaches, our coordinators 
who go to like good coordinator, good team goes to a team head coach. He runs the X on that side of the ball for that team. And then he hot, but a, does that work? Or do you get in these weird spots of like the head coach only care, like Rex Ryan, he only cares about the defense. Don't even ask him what the offense is doing. And, or Adam Gase, where he like, Adam Gase had no idea what Greg Williams was doing. Like there was a disconnect there. And now, for example, not that I'm the biggest fan of this team, this move, this coach, but like Joe Judge, he's not, he's not the anything in New York. He's the head yeah, coach. But he at so, least had some experience. Like they always say special teams guys, you know, can do both, can talk to more people. That, that, that's there. But and I, I would just argue just like some of this is just personal interaction. Because I can tell you from afar, if I were, again, make me the Seattle Seahawks beat writer, and I watch and I go, wait a minute, the Houston Texans hired the Patriots linebackers coach, who's only been a coach for two years. And wasn't and, even calling the place. Uh, disaster. But being around Mayo, I think he's a leader. And I think his, like, I don't think his business um, experience will hurt. Because no, how many times do we say now, head coach is the CEO of the corporation and he's this and he's that. So, no, don't get me wrong. If he's the head coach in Houston, you need strong coordinators. Like, yeah, big time. I don't know if you could talk Romeo into staying as the defensive coordinator, but maybe he would for Gerard. But yeah. That's what I was thinking. Like, maybe like that would be like a, a grandfather, grandson, like plumber, mentor, shit, you know, like that, the family business. Oh, this is my guy. I like Gerard, whatever. Like, I just, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm intrigued by Gerard Mayo, and I just, it's a, it probably won't happen. I just thought it was an interesting. No, it, it's a good discussion. I think it will happen. I think he is a future coach, but keep in mind, he just started coaching two, what was it, two years ago? Three years yeah, ago? Which, which is why I also was thinking maybe he goes there as the DC. Romeo stays in a, remember he was in a consultant role, like yeah. a, yeah. I think with Vrabel. I think Vrabel was the DC. Yeah, it looked like a, a yeah assistant something. Right. So maybe he go. Maybe Mayo goes there as the DC. Romeo stays as like a consultant, and then that's sort of his way of getting away from Belichick. You know, buffing up his own resume. Well, I was gonna say, if you're Mayo, don't you look in front of him like Bill's son's in front of me? How am I ever gonna get out of this one? Yes. Although to be fair, there were some players who used to think Gerard was like. Bill's son like right. a like a weird thing there that Bill loved him more than the average player and he was a yeah. captain right away and he got a massive contract right away and just sort of all of that so he's kind of got the shoe on the other foot now I think there was some like there was one player who got canned because of it he liked badmouth Gerard a young player and I'm pretty sure he got cut because of it um going into Belichick's salary and how that kind of played out the other day sure that got a lot of uh, people fired up on Twitter, huh? Well, because people are morons on Twitter. They can't read, <laughs> and they, they, they get so defensive that they argue back against something that wasn't said, which I think in, like, the psychology world, they call that projecting. It means that person was actually thinking that thing, and that's why they're defending against it. But, yeah, so yeah Mike Florio, who I don't trust at all, so for all I know, it's BS. Right. But he threw out $20 million plus for Belichick. In, in relation to Urban Meyer, was asking for $12, 12. Million, I think. And um, then he also said that Pete Carroll and Sean Payton are in the $15 million range, which is the tier below Bill. Which is what Schefter said today on our airwaves. He said, 
you know, he was talking to some consultant who helps with the, the hiring of these things. And I think it was those two, whatever it was Pete and somebody 15. And then the consultant, he asked about bill and the consultant like laughed and said, he's just in a category all his own. Well, if we're talking about 15 million and he's in a category all his own, that sounds like $20 million plus to yeah. me. Well, and even just like the, as that, as that is like, is Belichick, and that next tier above um, Carroll and Peyton, sure, absolutely. So oh, obviously, so, so yeah, I guess twenty. That's the going rate, I guess. If if I have no problem, making, if those guys are making that, then yeah, it's the most important coaching leadership position in all of sports. They matter more than any other coach or leader, save for maybe college football, because I think the recruiting angle in there, but. Thing. Those guys make a crap load too. What does Saban make? 10, 12 million a year or whatever he's plus usually those guys, it's not even what they make. It's you get a free car and a free house and your wife has a credit card. That's on the company. Like, yeah. And you're, you know, a member at X and X country exactly. club. And, so you yeah. got like 5 million in incentives being paid too. But the only thing I tweeted was it's a lot of money for a guy who built a program based on players taking less to stay in new England. Right. That's all I tweeted. And all the replies were like, oh, he's not worth it. Hmm, didn't say that. I said it's a lot of money for a guy who convinces others to take less. When I like, follow people, up with, it's also a bad look for an organization that spent the fewest cap, actual cash money in the entire league in the last four years. And the, that's the other thing. People don't understand that there is real money and fake money and budgets. And if Robert Kraft says, first of all, people also don't understand that when Forbes says somebody's worth something, that's not how much money they have in their pocket. That's not how much money they have in their bank account. That's how much they are worth. So for Robert Kraft to be worth X billions of dollars, the Patriots are part of that. So if he wants to run the Patriots, he doesn't get that money. He can get that money easily. I'm not saying he couldn't sell the Patriots. He could sell the Patriots for billions upon billions of dollars, right? Right. But right. he doesn't have that money in his back pocket. So people confuse some of those things. But the other thing I would say is they have a cash budget. And like, if he says this is the operating budget of the Patriots for X year, there's obviously the salary cap money. Like we're going to spend $200 million because yes, they're going to spend close to the cap on any given year. But the coaches are part of his budget, just like everything else. Just like Andy Hart, Patriots football weekly is part of the budget. Like there's mm -hmm. a big operating expenses. And if he pays $20 million to Bill Belichick instead of seven, well, that's $13 million that could have been appropriated differently, right? Could have been used as a signing bonus for Correct. somebody, right? Could have been cash. I write a check. Here's $13 million to a linebacker that you wanted to sign, Bill. So it, it's not a cap issue, but it could be a cash issue. But mm -hmm. my biggest thing was just, I think it's genius. I, I've said this. I started saying this in like 2007. That he hides his salary, no one ever knows how much he makes, and then asks others to take less when you feel pretty confident saying, why am I taking less? You're the highest paid coach. And I'm not saying you don't deserve it, Bill, because you're good. I deserve it too. I'm Tom Brady. I'm Logan Mankins. I'm Richard Seymour. I'm Randy Moss, right? So it's, it's you know, a show, uh, no, Alanis Morissette, it's a little bit ironic, don't you think, that his whole mantra is take less for the better of the team. And he's like, yeah, I want to be the highest paid coach in football. So people just got their – I think it's a bigger issue right now. Probably don't need to get into this today. But a bigger issue overall is the super fans, we'll call them, I don't know, Fitzy. And the trolls, we'll call them, 
I don't know, the circle jerks. And <laughs> they're so shaken right now, they don't know how to, you know, yeah, form their opinions. Which right? way to go, like what's, what they should be saying. And Bill, we trust. And Bill, we trust. And then they're thinking, do I really still trust him? Should I trust him for this? Like, they're so shaken that they just can't look at something and make a judgment on it or a comment on it. They get all worked up in weird directions. So, yeah, it certainly ruffled some feathers or got people thinking. But on a value basis, just a simple value, who's the best coach in sports right now? Bill Belichick. Yeah. The job in football is more important than others. Should he make $20 million a year? Yeah, he probably should. Why well, shouldn't he? Well, also, he does both in a way. He's the GM man head coach. You can even add that in too, right? So if I'm paying my head coach, let's say Urban Meyer, I'm paying my head coach twelve million, and my GM eight million, it's twenty million. Now, Urban Meyer might have full control if he goes to Jacksonville too. Right, but you know what I'm saying? Like, that's another argument. I just would never argue against Bill being the highest paid. He should be the highest paid. Yes. My only question is, if I'm a player and he's telling me to take less, how do I feel about that? Well, that's why. That's obviously the reason why his salary is the biggest mystery in this entire New England Patriots franchise for good reason. Right. Yes. He doesn't want to get out there. Well, he shouldn't. You and tell the him reason Brady. why the only person that actually like has put out a figure on it is Florio. It's not like it's not like Schefter has said like he makes this like, and Florio for as much like, I'm not gonna say I don't believe him, but he's not like as definitive and reputable as some of these other people. Right. And I also think they go with sources that may or may not be like the Schefter source, who's a consultant who works in higher, like, is he assuming what Bill makes or does he know? Has he, he's seen a document that said, right. you know what I mean? Like right. he's an educated expert witness, but does he know? I've always wondered though. I don't understand why, like there's so many sources in all of government and politics and everything. There's no sources in the IRS. There's no accountant that has seen Belichick's tax form and would say, and like leak it to somebody. Like, I don't know. I always found that weird. You would think somebody would leak that or know that. Like, that's like a figure that some. Well, yeah, that's a figure that somebody could see on a piece of paper. Right. He's got to put it on his form somewhere or tax form. Like, I don't know. I've always just found that interesting that that never leaked out or was a story. Uh, We could probably get the Schefter today on um, the morning show. Uh, Was he drunk? (laughs) <laughs> might have been that would be my well, excuse if I my remember. only thing was that he was completely like thrown off guard that he was being asked about cam newton's next contract and really like didn't think much about it but like the fi- tw- 40 to 50 million dollars for over two years is just like what are you thinking no i actually that didn't bother me as much as right before that when they first started talking money in cam newton he said well you know what, what, what's the market right now? He's like, the top quarterbacks make $35 million. And then he goes, now, I don't think Newton's going to make that. Like, he said it in a way like he even paused to consider it for a half a second. Yeah. The guy threw eight touchdowns. The guy shouldn't have played. And the guy made what, had signed for $1 million. And suddenly you're wondering, you're thinking, even for a half a second, is he in Mahomes, Deshaun Watson land? Like, I don't know where that came from. And then to throw out there, oh, you know, 35, 40, 50 million dollars. Even if you include incentives, what are the incentives? It right. better not be based on touchdown passes because he sure as hell isn't getting the incentives then. Right. Like, I, and, and the whole thing with Schefter, this whole new, I mean, the whole interview started with him talking about how he's on Monday night countdown or live or whatever the hell he's on. And, you know, now it's opinions. I've always given information, but now I get to give opinions. And like, he struggles in that whole thing. Like, he struggles. I think he should just go back to being 
one of the best information guys in the business because this is happening more and more often where he has to like backpedal backtrack and say i didn't really say this i was you know right like right and i don't care about his opinions like his opinions to me seem like they stink well and also he like gets so worked up over some of these things it's like who cares right like who cares that you that some people are writing that you don't think that Cam Newton is expected back with the Patriots? Is that a hot take? Is that like an unusual opinion? Like, is this an issue with uh, Woj? Like, is this because he's the he's the Schefter? Like, he's the Schefter of the basketball world. Right. Woj bombs and everything. And I've never really seen this as an issue. And I see him on Sports Center, and I see him on. He does the same, he's, he's the same thing as Adam Schefter. Does the same exact thing. So how come he's his own podcast? He does everything. Right. How come he doesn't get in trouble with this? I think it's a Schefter problem. He keeps he keeps screwing up. He keeps Yeah, I was I, thinking that like because it's where that's the Patriots, they're kind of like magnified and, and like you're gonna get the same reaction to something that he'd said if he said it about like, you know, um, I don't know, Carolina's quarterback. Right. Just because of the market. But still, like he's on ESPN. Like it's not like I don't know. And I, I think he's well-connected. I think he gets a lot of information. I think no what question. he gets in trouble with is sometimes he goes with information that the source doesn't want out there yet or strongly. I think that happened at various points with Jimmy Garoppolo trade. Mm-hmm. I think it happened with Tom Brady leaving, yep. whatever. And now it's happening here with Cam Newton. I told you this the other day. I, I still think, well, A, it's kind of obvious that there's a good chance that they break up. Right. right? But also, I think... Somebody told him there's a good chance they break up. He went with that. And then when his own news organization and everybody else went with it as, oh, Schefter says there's prob- they're probably going to break up. He got, oh, my God, Bill's going to be mad at me. The Patriots going to be mad at me. I, I wasn't supposed to say that until after the season or after the year. And so, I don't know. It's a, I, it's a tough – it's 2020, 2021 journalism. Like, you say something and it becomes a thing on a blog. But, like, that's life. That's what oh, – It is, what, and, it, and it is. Like, it's what it's turned into. You and I have joked about it. Back when uh, I used to do NBC Sports Boston, they would pull a phrase. Like, I'm driving home, and then when I get home, check Twitter, and it's like, you know, heart colon, Brady blows. And you're like, I don't really remember saying that, but maybe I did. And then, and then you go back and you listen, and you're like, wait, I didn't really say it the way you made it sound in that little headline there. And right. So you're right. It's And we all do it. You're trying Everybody to- does it. I do it. Like, it's part of the the thing but like Schefter takes himself so freaking seriously that it's like you're not gonna lose your job over this like he sucks because he with the Garoppolo thing I don't know if you remember a long time ago he got really defensive and he did an interview with Brian Lowe on Patriots.com one of the nicest men ever and Brian Lowe I think asked him like so now why the shift in your reporting and there's no shift what's shift and he was on with Mark shoot a former gm was next to him was a two-person interview with low and Schefter started to like want to fight below and the other guy's like looking at him like what the hell is going on what am i in? i want to get out of here kind of thing because he's super def- he's a know-it-all he, yeah. he he has a little god complex he thinks yeah. if i say it you should just take it just the great adam Schefter said that's it. what i mean you can have it both ways well that's the thing you can't yeah you can't say if i say it it's it's god's word and then you said it. It's God's word. Well, it was just my opinion. I wasn't really saying it. Like, yeah, you, you definitely can't have it both ways. So maybe that's why he and Bill get along so well. There's a little hypocrisy in there. Maybe. Uh, anything else you want to get to before we get to these questions that we uh, put out there, considering it's our first off-season podcast? Um, 
I'll just quick tease on a little mini feature I'm working on for the website yep. um, where I went back and did some research on 2001 to 2019, AKA the good years for the Patriots, the pre uh, losing season, pre missing playoff years. And I just found some interesting stuff. We know the Patriots were dominant. We know they were great, but um, you know, some of the, the Patriots missed the playoffs twice, for example, in that time span, right? Mm -hmm. 2002, 2008. We know the whole story. The average NFL team had 12.2 seasons in those 19 years when they missed the playoffs. I thought that was interesting. For example, the Browns missed the playoffs 18 times in that span. <laughs> nope. uh, but then there were the fewest beyond the Patriots, the Packers five, the Colts and Seahawks six. Like just comparing like. So the they're Patriots at five and six and the Patriots are at three? Two. Two. They missed. Well, this was for, through 19. This okay. didn't include this year. Okay. And the, and the basic premise I'll be, you know, is, you know, they were overdue, long overdue for this type of season. Um, you know, 500 seasons, uh, no, 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 losing seasons. Patriots, zero. Browns, 17. Lions, 15. <laughs> Raiders, 14. The average team had nine, 8.7 losing seasons in 19 years. They had none. They had zero, right? Like, so you know how great they are. You know the Super Bowls. But then when you look at some even deeper, like right. the 10-plus win seasons, Patriots had 18 seasons of 10 or more wins. The second most was the Colts and Packers with 13. So they have a five-season head start. Mm -hmm. uh, then there was the Bills and the Browns with one, Redskins and Lions with two. The average, average NFL team had six. You had three times the average. You had 18 when the average team had six. Um, and then one of them that I found, just this is the simplest of simplest numbers. Before this year, when was the last time teams – last missed the playoffs their their most recent missed playoff season yep. 20 teams it was last year because you know 12 teams made the playoffs last year right, so 20, right. 25 teams over the last two years so of 32 teams 25 of them missed the playoffs in so the only last seven teams made the playoffs two straight years uh i don't know yeah now you're asking I, i'm still working on some of the breakdown but <laughs> in the last four years 30 of the 32 teams missed the playoffs. The only two that didn't were the Patriots mm -hmm. and the Chiefs. The Chiefs missed in 2014. Patriots missed in 2008. But other than that, basically, the last couple of years, you missed the playoffs. Everybody. Some, if you're the Packers, you're the whoever you think, the Steelers, whatever you want to say. I found that it, like in the last four years, 30 of 32 teams missed the playoffs. You hadn't done it since 2008. Like you had gone 12 years since you missed the playoffs. Everybody else gets it out of the way within a two, three, or four-year span. So doing some more of that, I got a couple uh, messages out hoping to talk to some people. I was actually going to think about trying to talk to Scott Pioli, but my guess is he's not going to be as talkative now that maybe people will be talking about him coming back to the Patriots. I would agree. I would agree. But, yes, yeah, so that's a feature. No, that's, those are good numbers, like, to actually put it in perspective. That's what I like to do because, like, you think of it, it's like anything we talk about narratives. Oh, the offense is good. The defense is good. This player is good. And then you look at it. Like, Derrick Henry I knew was good. I don't know how I didn't know he was going to rush for 2,000 yards. Like, usually 2,000-yard rushing seasons are, you know, people start talking about it eight weeks away or something. Wow, this guy's on pace for – Derrick Henry rushed for 2,000 yards. He led the NFL rushing two years in a row. Do you know every other person that's ever done that's in the Pro Football Hall of Fame? Yeah. So is Derrick Henry a Hall of Famer? Because I don't really think of him that way, but 
the details say he's a Hall of Famer. Right, right. So, okay, let's get to the questions. All right, we got, we got a lot of questions, actually. Just going to pat myself on the back, by the way, both of us. This is a pretty good podcast right here. We got, we got a, hit a lot of stuff. I like these off-season podcasts more than I like these. I kind of do, too, because you can kind of go in different directions. You're not, like, yeah. tied into one topic. It's like the Ryan and Andy radio show. Um, you should do I'll just, that. We'll just go rapid fire. Um, okay. This is from Amir. If you had yeah, one player via the draft, one player via trade, and one player via free agency, who would you take for each? <laughs> this is sort of like hate, marry. Uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, one player via the draft. Well, is that like – I know. Is that realistic or is it just overall? Let's, okay, keep, it take... real- Let's keep it realistic. Okay. So I will trade for Matthew Stafford. Okay. I will draft Kyle Pitts. And the other one's a signing? Yeah. The signing's not as easy for me. I will sign Allen Robinson. Oh, you took mine. I was going to sign Allen Robinson. Because now I got a quarterback, a tight end, a wide receiver, and now all the thing we talked about, like now if Asiasi can play, he's a nice number two tight end. And if, you know, Jacoby Myers is my three and Julian Edelman's my two or what, like – feel like I just put together a nice little offense. Uh, the, the drafting, I don't know if he's going to f- – I like Mac Jones, but I don't think he's that high. Ugh, I do not like Mac Jones. Like, I don't dislike him. I just – I don't think he's an option. At, I, don't, I wouldn't take him at 15, but I, I like him if you go your route, take Pitts at 15, and then hopefully Mac Jones has something happen to him and he slides into the early second round. I just – I worry about – we always joke about it, but – you know how they say, uh, you know, so-and-so took a pay cut to play at the pro level because he was making so – he's going to take a talent cut to play at the pro level. Like, he'll never be surrounded by as much talent as he is right now. Right. So, and I don't know. I'm just Other not- guy I want to see come to New England, I think, could Hunter Henry. Hunter Henry, I like him. I, I just – it's the market. And, and I know Bill's whole, you know, thing with him, whatever, but – I just don't think Hunter Henry is Gronk, Kelsey, Kittles. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's truly – I think he's a good tight end. But if you pay that good tight end $15 million a year, I think you're wasting money. I think you can get um, representative value in a lesser player. All right, we'll go quickly because I know you are got to get going. Do you think Hightower or Pat Chung will be back next season? I don't think Chung's coming back. I don't either. All this stuff about all his business ventures. Yeah, his real estate is cooking. Like he kind of it really seems like he's embraced the, the non-football world post, post-football career. Hightower is tough. I think he, I don't know. I think he could be convinced to come back. I do too. I think he'll come back. You know who he's a candidate for? August 27th, uh, the Patriots have called a special press conference. They would like the media to report to the lobby of the hall at Patriot Place. Uh, but we're not saying at this time what it is. He could be like a camp retire. Like he thinks he wants to come back. Oh, so you're saying he'll come back in like March and then realize like, I don't want to do this anymore. Maybe he had a baby, right? Just had a baby. He clearly likes living in Tennessee Tennessee. or wherever back down there. He um, like, I think he's a guy that probably says right now, Oh yeah, no, I'm coming back. But I don't know if he can even know it. Right. I agree. Um, this is from our friend Christian. Do you think Gilmore gets extended or traded this offseason? Traded. Not I extended. Think. I think yeah. either stays or or traded. And 
the only issue is like I had somebody tell me like when they were talking about what he's worth or whatever that they could get the same in the spring if not more than they could have gotten at the mm. trade deadline. Um, so if that's true and they're already sort of thinking like that, it wouldn't stun me. Like it, it would kind of stun me if he's still a member of the team come July. I I agree. I I just I, extend is definitely not in the cards for sure. I I that would that would stun me. That would if they announced like a. A three-year whatever extension for Stefan Gilmore. Three-year, because wouldn't it have to be like three years, sixty million or something, like something yeah. silly? Yeah. Yeah, I can't see that. Uh, who's the guy you'd rather you'd like the Patriots to take in free agency in the wide receiver group? Maybe Corey Davis or Galladay. I don't love Galladay. I don't either. Um, I like Allen Robinson. I like Juju too. I don't love Juju as much. No. I, I don't think he's not good. I don't think he's a one. You're going to have to pay him a ton. You're going to bring him in as the one. I think Allen Robinson is a guy that if you pair – now, I don't know who the quarterback is, but I think if you pair him up with a quarterback, I think Allen Robinson is pretty damn good. Um, I think he could be a one. Corey Davis is interesting because he's not a one, in my opinion. I don't think he's a true one, but he's had success against the Patriots. Mm-hmm. Like. Some inconsistency. Can I get Brown from them? Because if I can get Brown, I fell in uh, love with that, Brown. That'd be that, nice. That 50-yard bomb they threw like the other day. But That'd be nice. Uh, it's from Chad Moore. Is there any chance McDaniels leaves? And if not, do we see a radical change to the offense seeing that Brady was the one who could run it? So he's um, kind of established McDaniels is probably going to stay. But if he does stay, do you see the offense changing? I don't. No, not dramatic. Well, it'll change to who the quarterback is. Like it was different for Cam than it will be right. for Jimmy Garoppolo, than it will be for Matthew Stafford, than it will be for Mac Jones. Then yeah. like, yeah. So I don't, I mean, Mac Jones would probably be the closest to Brady or maybe Stafford would be the closest. Like I think Garoppolo yeah. would have a, a more athletic, there'd be some yeah, reason. Garoppolo would be close, but there'd be little tweaks. Right. There'd be Garoppolo in my mind is like a, if they had played Stidham, Garoppolo and Stidham are kind of yep. the same, but not all in on the cam. We're going to run the ball. Mm-hmm. But no, I like, I think Josh is a good offensive coordinator. I think the foundation of the system will always be the foundation of the system. Yep. It's like, you know, people have tried to tell me that, Oh, they've, they've had different offensive systems over the years. They had two tight ends and they had Moss and well, like, no, those are, it was the same system. Those are personnel. That's personnel groupings running out of the same system. I think it'll be the same lingo, the same everything. Uh, from Johnny McDonald, as the now annual departure of coaching management talent has continued again this offseason, do the Patriots have the talent to bring enough through and fill the gaps? A price of our success seems to be a talent drain every offseason now. Well, I mean, I don't want to sound like Belichick, but turnover is part of the NFL, right? Like every year. Right. And yes, your, your Bill Belichick's team, you had success, not as much this year, but over the long haul, why wouldn't people try to pull from the best? I mean, it's it's no different than McVeigh makes a run and then McVeigh people are hot and then yeah, exactly. Andy Reid people are hot and like that's kind of how it works. So, yeah. um, it, but I do have concerns about the overall brain drain in Foxborough and sort of because there's just not like as many people. Like they they were a small group to begin with, and now they're getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And, and when you double up on it, like they had the, 
Romeo, Charlie Weiss, they leave, right? Then Mangini leaves. Then Pioli and McDaniels leave. That's when you had your downtimes. That's like, oh, nine. And it's like, oh, we're in the middle of, we got to rebuild on the fly here. The second dynasty needs to be built. Casario needs to step up. You got Billy O'Brien to come in and advance. You, you, You propped up Patricia and those guys. So that's where you are now. Does Mayo step up? Does Nick Cayley step up? Does Mick Lombardi step up? Who are some of these young guys that? Brian Smith. Right. They have the opportunity to be the next Casario, McDaniels, whatever. Are they ready? Does it work? No idea. Uh, last one. Uh, who should be the number one pick for the Patriots, number 15? I don't think Kyle Pitts will be there. I've seen guys mock him there. I even – my favorite thing was um, – now nah, I'm drawing a blank on his name now. Eric Edholm. Is that his name? Eric Edholm? Yahoo guy. Yeah. And he said he started the mock draft saying there's no way he slides to the Patriots. And then he did the mock draft and he slid to the Patriots. Like he went with wherever his thoughts took him with each yeah. pick. And so who knows? There's a million things are going to happen between now. I Bill touched on it. I've been saying it for a while now. Like this is going to be the weirdest offseason and draft ever. Like – combine workouts scouting didn't play right. oh that guy played some oh that guy didn't play at all he sat out do you feel good about him coming like there's a lot going on there but I like Kyle Pitts I really like I gotta learn his name I keep saying this the uh, OCI or OCA uh, the Texas linebacker pass rushing edge just looks like a badass although I fell in love with a remember that other badass Texas linebacker Sergio Brown went to yeah. the Ravens Never yeah. did never did anything. No, he got thrown out of the club by Gronk, right? No, 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 no. different Sergio Brown. Okay. And might not be Sergio Brown either. I think it was Sergio Kindle. No. I don't know. It was an outside linebacker from Texas. He went to the Ravens. I believe he like fell down the stairs and got hurt in his apartment before he played, and then his career just went down the pisser. But- I would say just relating to that pick, it's going to be the best player available. Like at they're not going to lock themselves into I mean, we need to take a quarterback, we need to take a tight end. Like it could be you know, a defensive tackle because the defensive tackle be a linebacker. Like they, you know. Okay, gotta wrap this up. I gotta do a phone interview. All right. Well, uh, we'll be back next week with another uh, off day podcast. Thanks for listening. Uh, bye bye. Hello.